0: Some movies are highbrow. Some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Cooper Gagan, And I'm Josh Kirshenbaum. Each week we pick a theme and then pick mo- two movies that... P- fuck, fuck. No, I'm doing it. I'm oh, doing it again. Uh, each week we pick a movie. Oh, shit. Each week, each week we pick, pick a, a theme. theme. Wait, no, I'm going to do it. Each week, we pick a theme and then talk about two movies that fit that theme one highbrow and one lowbrow. This week, we're not doing that because, in between those main episodes, we do no brow, where we have some topical topics we'll talk about and, uh, you know, whatever else is on our mind. Yeah. Casual chat, what's in the news, some some, some fun stuff. Uh, let's dig into it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, in the news this week, uh, HBO Max uh, made some ways because they shelved a. The Batgirl movie. Yeah, which I I honestly wasn't even really aware of because I'm not up on all of the superheroes. Right. I, I was vaguely aware of it because I they cast, I believe, Leslie Grace. She was in In the Heights. And I remember seeing the headline being like, oh, cool, you know, like new Batgirl. Yeah. And the Batgirl movie has been in development forever. I think there was a Whedon thing that was going to happen. And right. then obviously that didn't happen mm-hmm. for the Whedon reasons. Um, the weed, you know. The Whedon reasons. You can look it up. Um so yeah, it just so it was this very big thing cuz it's like a 90 million dollar movie that they're just not going to release. No, actually it was very pointedly not a 90 million dollar movie. It was like a seventy seventy 75 million dollar movie. But it, but it was it, but the budget went up. I think it was budgeted at 75 and it went up to to, to about 90 cuz of COVID costs. Oh. I was like part of the I, I I don't know. There's a lot of news out there. I might may, I maybe oh, it with something. The else. article I was looking at was that um Because uh, WB is just not interested in any movie with a budget under ninety, and this fell underneath that, that they didn't care. Right. So you're in this. So uh, WB is um, was recently bought by or merged with Discovery. Uh, It used to be owned by AT and T. Eric, I know you're listening. When I know I'm fucking this up, just just text me. When okay, you, when you when I know I'm for not, when, just text me the real thing eventually, and we'll do a correction. You were right. It was a 75 million dollar budget that grew to 90 million due to COVID related overages. Awesome. Uh, so now the new CEO of uh, Warner Bros Discovery, which is the new company, they're they're kind of changing their their outlook on how much value you're going to put on HBO Max. Apparently, six HBO Max original movies were pulled from the service without with no actual they never like announced it they're just like we just are not going to host these anymore mm-hmm. and there's the uh, there's some rumors that they're going to stop doing hbo max originals hbo obviously the premium channel will exist they're going to fold it might fold hbo max into discovery plus as this one big streaming thing and it might be more oh, reality no. focused there might be an hbo tab it oh, sounds it's, terrible it's sort of unclear what that means for the movie library of hbo max which i think is Pretty um, solid. Possibly the best because it has not just WB stuff, but it has uh, a great anime collection of Studio Ghibli, which had never been available on streaming before. Yeah. Uh, and a really good uh, Turner Classic Movies uh, tab. And the TV lineup's good, too. Oh, yeah. Well, they got... South Park. Yeah. Do they have Simpsons? Uh, no, Simpsons, Disney+. That's Plus. still Disney+. Plus. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah. Um, so it's uh, I mean, bummer for me because I think HBO Max... If, if this all shakes out in the worst way, it's a bit of a bummer because I think HBO Max might be the best... Like, uh, all things considered the best streaming service. Like, high high batting average. I go to it a lot. Yeah, um, for, like, a kind of generalist. Because there's, yeah. like, I feel like Criterion is much oh. better for specific niche stuff. And oh, then yeah. there's, like, I don't know, I'm sure there's stuff for, like, Shudder for just horror. There's those, like, right. specific, it, like, I have, kinda... like, a Flow Sports subscription so I can watch, like, international rugby games. Like, that's really, really good for me. <laughs> but yeah. that might not be so good. For you, yeah, and it also I do like that HBO Max seems to have less bloat than like Netflix, where Netflix will just have so much stuff. Right, they just flood. They they really. I mean, we've talked about that before. Yeah, they just buy the rights to distribution rights to so many things and Mm -hmm. slap the Netflix originals on it, and it just makes it really hard to find anything. Which is kind of the problem with uh, TV in general right now. It's too much of it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So just sort of an interesting thing that's going on. You know, I think if they're really pivoting away from hbo max and and to be fair you know they went really hard in hbo max to begin with they for all 2021 they had these day and date releases of you know you could see godzilla vs kong the day it came out they obviously did it with wonder woman was kind of a big uh, wonder woman 2 was kind of a big ado so i guess to me it's just the question is are they really pivoting away from building up hbo max as like a really great hub for all their content is it going to just be niche things like you know the anime or the animated stuff the reality stuff uh or is this just they're paring back on the most excess of it you right know? and this is still all kind of speculation at this point right like we don't know from the actual network what they plan on doing right i believe they have announced they're merging discovery plus and hbo max right that came out today although no one knows and we're losing the hbo max name that or? was the that was a rumor from a few days ago okay because you know, Discovery owns HBO and it's like not the you know, HBO didn't buy Discovery, it's the around. But it's funny because I feel like HBO Max has the better kind of branding. Oh yeah, it's than uh, Discovery. Yeah. I saw a poll that had like ninety four percent satisfaction among um like people who use it, which is like freakishly high. So I guess the big the thing that we kind of can weigh on, in on a little bit is how do we feel about this idea of kind of getting rid of these upper mid budget movies, the under seventy under ninety million dollar movies. Yeah. I I, it troubles me a bit because I mean, it's been a problem that since the 2000s, the mid budget movie has just ceased to exist, yeah. And this feels like an even bigger nail in the coffin, even though whatever 75 is not, it's upper mid, it's like it's pretty, but budgets have gone, have inflated so much, right? I mean, usually a a big IP 10 pole will be in the like hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Um, but again, again, I, I wish. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit with the Star Wars stuff of, like, wouldn't it be nice just, like, open it up and, like, do a bunch of different levels of budgets in the world? Yeah. I think there are lots of IP and, like, comic book characters that could use a $50 million movie. Yeah. And being even, you know, maybe using that brand awareness could allow you to kind of, like, overperform, you know, instead of doing, yeah, if you did a $50 million Batgirl movie instead of a $200 you the just the brand awareness might be enough to get like a little bit back on that. Yeah, and fifty million dollars is still a lot, a lot, of, lot money. of money. Yeah, because I guess, I mean, low budget now is like I guess twenty million. I think it's even low. I, well, because that's the thing is there's this uh, some article this is years ago about how even like indie budgets have, are getting are shrinking. Oh shit! Yeah, like indie. You know, like it was some indie director who had made movies a while and he was like, yeah, it used to be like, you know, you could you could kind of get financiers together for like a five or six million dollar movie and now they're doing like 800,000. Like it's like very, very hard to make smaller yeah. budget movies uh, unless you are like a handful of ext- extremely prestigious directors. Yeah, and then there's also the weird blum blumhouse is like a weird outlier where they're only doing low budget stuff but they're kind of locked in at like four or five million it seems like yeah and they're willing to go higher if it's a proven concept Uh, yeah like i'm sure escape room tournament of champions seem to have a slightly bigger budget than Escape Room. that's the other thing is blumhouse has a lot of franchises now yeah so we're like these mini franchises like Mm -hmm. so those will the budgets will climb as they're proven yeah which i mean that's a tried and true model of you know uh the industry is you know you 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 roll a bunch of dice on some smallish budget stuff, but not so much that you're not like enough budget for it to be made. Yeah. And the ones that hit, then you give them a little extra money. Yeah, you know? I mean that's Blumhouse's whole thing is that you just make, make a bunch of shit for 5 million and one dollars, and one of them is going to hit and pay back all the other ones. Exactly, and then you do seven sequels of that. Yeah, which will then one of those sequels will pay for the next. Batch of fives. Yeah, I'm curious what's up with this Batgirl movie. Yeah, I yeah, it, I, I wonder if we're gonna get some like Snyder cut people who are gonna release the um, the back re, just release Batgirl, <laughs> or just release. Yeah, because I think the directors are not. I, I don't it it. I don't know the directors of Batgirl, but I I do. I don't believe they are at the level of insane fanaticism as the Snyder. No, heads. for sure. It, now I'm thinking would I because I didn't like the even though the Snyder cut from all everything I've heard was better, mm-hmm. I didn't like the idea of fans being able to dictate you know, creative policy. Yeah. But that was between two different theatrical cuts. This is just yeah. releasing a, like, dead, a dead movie. Right. I kind of would be more okay with them wanting to bring this dead movie to life rather than making a cut, like, making an alternate cut of an existing movie. Right. Well, that was what was so funny about the release of the Snyder Cut stuff was that there was no Snyder Cut. Yeah, they had to make it. It didn't exist. Like, they were just, like, this. there was this myth that, like, the movie was, you know, he'd made a movie that was done and then they just you know, did reshoots, recut it, release this other thing. The Snyder Cut, when it finally came out, was the result of years of editing after that and millions of dollars of other of the special effects that they put into that movie. And yeah. reshoots. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it's like an example of fans kind of misunderstanding how the how film production works. Right. Because like you don't they all, no one knows shit. It's the same thing as when people are, like, people love to have stats about, oh my God, that script was originally 400 pages. And I was like, there's no way that script went into production as a 400 page script. There's like some weird early draft, or it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it usually, a movie goes into production with the script, like, it's always in flux. There's always new pages coming out, like, moment to moment. Yeah. Um, Like, there's a really good, it was a script notes interview with Chris McQuarrie, where he was like in the middle of filming, like, I think Mission Impossible 6. And he was just talking really casually about how like, yeah, you know, so we were like filming this action scene. And then like in my off time, I was like figuring out the B-plot of this one character <laughs> and like yeah. writing that. like, And then we're scouting in Budapest or like whatever it is. Yeah. just It sounds fucking terrifying, but it's a lot of it. That's yeah. Although my favorite counterexample of that is that from what I read online, who, who knows how much is true? Because almost everything you read online in like the trades or anything Complete is bullshit. pretty wrong yeah. about film production. Or there's like a kernel of truth, but then all the analysis is just total speculation. Mm-hmm. But I saw somewhere that Unforgiven, they finished the shoot on White Pages, which is wild. Oh, that, I, I would believe that because it's Eastwood. Yeah. And Clint, Clint's whole, Clint Eastwood's whole thing is... On time, under budget, no like, not he's not figuring it out on the day. He's not second guessing himself. He 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 just films the movie and then he moves on to the next. Yeah, movie. and that script was twenty years old at that point, so presumably been through a lot of writers drafts. Yeah, um, I guess we should explain what white pages are if somebody doesn't know. So sure, in film production, <laughs> every time there's a script change, you change the color of the pages, and that's a way to track which pages have been changed. So the first draft of the script is the production draft. Which is white, the pages are white, and then like the next one's blue, the next one's pink. And that's how you know how many changes there have been in the script. There's like a color wheel and it flips to the end, and you're on like double white, double blue, whatever. Yep. So when it's on, when you say it's on white pages, it means that they never did a rewrite, which is insane because they, they have to issue new pages, even if like, you know, it's oh, little, our, yeah. the pig we were supposed to get on this day didn't show up, so it has to be a cow now. Yeah. That's a rewrite. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, or it's often a rewrite. Yeah. Um Severance? Oh, I finally saw Severance. That's everyone's <laughs> been talking about it and I finally had time to see it. I watched it all over the weekend basically in a giant sitting and uh holy shit, that show is great. It's incredible. I mean now you get well like every once in a while there's a move there's a show that everyone won't shut up about and is yelling at you to watch. Yeah. And so that happens a lot. But every once in a while it's that good. Yeah. And this is one of those times. And it's also great because it's a type of high concept sci-fi that It's just, it's super nerdy, very technical. It's basically what I like about 60s sci-fi books, like Heinlein books, where it's basically, okay, we're going to get this weird concept and we're just going to, like, kind of tease out what this means for a society where this exists, for humanity, and a lot of, like, kind of ethical and moral and, like, existential questions. And uh, this movie, that show does that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because at first, like, hearing the... Hearing the uh, premise, you're like, okay, that's interesting. Like, huh. they're at work, they're at one person. They're at, they're at the outside work, they're another person, and or they don't remember it. And then immediately, and starting the first episode, you just start thinking, oh my god, that's like this horrifying. Mean, yeah, like this means this thing. It's like you start thinking in your head, oh my god, like this has so many implications for ethics. Yeah. And then the show, and you're like, oh my god, like I wonder if the show is going to get into this because there's so many crazy like think like so many so much meaning that this would have in a world where this existed and the show then does that it does yeah. care about those things yeah and it's so brilliant because i think often what you see with some high concept ideas is it'll have the high concept as like a way of doing a pretty low concept story like altered carbon is more like that uh i haven't seen it but i mean but the idea that the whole idea is you just can change your body all the time it, yeah it's that um people's People's consciousness are kind of saved in the computer, so that if they die, they just get put into another body, so gotcha. they kind of are like effectively immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, human bodies mean less, and right. so there's like a lot that's also like feels like a very classic sci-fi high concept, mm-hmm. but it's more of a kind of a silly action show. It's it gets into it a little bit, but not in a very deep way, and not in a very emotional way. Right. I mean, so and that's sort of what you see a lot of the time. But with Severance is. One, you're right, it's so focused on what are the ramifications of this. And mm-hmm. the characters are often focused on the ramifications of yeah. this, um, but sort of in a way that they're not really good at, because they're in it. So they're just kind of like working their way through it. You mm-hmm. know, Like there very few, but not no, but very few characters are like standing on top of that concept and being like, this is what I think about all this. But also it's very good like drama. Uh, it's a very good like just thriller, and it's very good like characters and and all. It's not it's not just coasting on the look at the weird world building at well, all. So that's the other well. The funny thing is, I have mm-hmm. like kind of a inverse to that, which mm-hmm. is so. There's the really cool sci fi concept, mm-hmm. but then there's also the weird world building, which is yes. totally not necessary to that concept. Like all the weird culty aspects of, of the, the show, yeah, or of the company that they work at, mm-hmm. they're not inherent to this concept right the concept it could this could have been just like this is the world we live in it could have been more like logan's run yeah or like they could be it could be like the office right yeah but like where it's just like a very normal office and then there's this kind of existential question when they leave Mm -hmm. but there's this added layer of it's a really weird office where a lot of strange stuff is happening right because i it it ends up connecting to me because like the show is so much i mean it's about a lot of things a lot of metaphysical things but it's also kind of just a this satire of work culture. Yes. Like specifically this very kind of Uber 80s, like, you know, like, uh, wow. Yuppies. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like working hard, hardly working. Yeah. Like it's all like the, the set is all building up that kind of element to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I guess because like this concept is like, you know, what if you just sort of just took a part of your brain and gave that all to work? Mm-hmm. You, you, I like how they kind of brought that out to you. like, okay, well, what would be the kind of person who would think of that? Someone who valued work above anything else, yeah, and had this kind of mystical obsession with it. And that's what I think how they come about to like this company, yeah, because that's the weird thing. Is I guess we can get nitty gritty into it for a little uh, bit, yeah. If you're, we'll, we'll try and dance around the major spoilers. Um, if you want to go in completely blind to Severance, you should probably skip ahead a couple minutes. Yeah, um, like I said, the big reveals. We'll shut up about the the, but the concept and the vibes. We're we're gonna go all in on that. Yeah. So the um Kier Kier the character, the, the founder, the of founder the, of the company. Yeah. That company preexisted the concept of severance. Yes. So the weird thing is that weird book, that weird Bible he has, totally pre exists the concept of severance. Mm-hmm. So I I was thinking at first I was like, oh, it makes sense. You would kind of create a cult to control these people inside the severed office mm-hmm. because cults are a great way to control people's thoughts and actions in general yeah but then the weird thing the show seems to imply that the cult predated severance right that severance it's it, that's what I think is so interesting is that it's not so much that like the cult we like the people who created this ideology believe in it it's not something they created just to control the peons and it's funny it's more that they had this very specifically weird work theology, ideology basically yeah and the idea of severance comes out of that yeah uh, this idea that you have to give yourself completely to this weird and know, it, thing. It really is like, it is just literally a cult. Like the, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm super into cults. I love this shit. Yeah. It's your whole thing. Yeah. yeah sorry. Not my whole to, one To of, clarify, you are into <laughs> cults like, like academically. Yeah. You are not personally a member of a cult. Not yet. Although if you were, you wouldn't call it a cult. You'd be like, I have this great new I mean, work is, opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> cool new like support group, this self-help group. Um, yeah, cuz like the whole idea of like controlling people's thoughts and then controlling I mean controlling where they live, mm-hmm. which is very specific to cults where like cult the cults will have like a compound and people aren't allowed to leave because and then also they use like very specific weird language cuz it isolates them from other people. Mm-hmm. And so much of cults is about isolating people from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And Severance has the perfect version of that, which is they are literally isolated from the rest of the world cuz they cannot exist outside of the cult. Yeah. Uh and and to that point uh, just on like a craft level, the world building in Severance is some of the best I've seen in, de- in recent years, if not like ever on TV. Yeah, and because there is a lot of I'm going to sit down and explain this to you, and mm-hmm. you kind of have to do that just to get the concept out. Yeah, I mean any high any like high concept sci fi thing, you gotta just do it at least once. Oh yeah, but so much of why how this came about, what the world is like, the backstory it kind of just comes about in, like, little line. It comes up it just in the world, like, little, like, uh, set design details, line detail, just, like, a, an offline here, something someone says there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I thought that the whole thing was set in, like, an alternate universe where, like, Soviet Russia would, like, have won or something, just <laughs> yeah. because in the opening, like, it's, like, one of the first two shots you see, like, the main character puts his, like, personal stuff aside, and they have these, like, red stars on them. Yeah, that's a um, Vostok watch. That's, like, a brand of watches from Russia. Right, yeah, so, yeah. like that could mean something. or it's, So it's the kind of show that really wants you to be obsessed with all these little details because like they are giving you hints of something and they mm-hmm. want you to kind of use your brain to try and put the piece together but knowing that you're probably not gonna get yeah. all the way. Well then also like the architecture of the building they work in is kind of pretty Soviet looking kind of Oh, brutalism isn't Soviet, but, but that same style, which is a big concrete block, yeah. it's very Soviet. Oh yeah, and so they're like playing with that idea, but like it, but they they still mention Congress, they still mention. It seems like they're in the U.S. I think the creators said they are in the U.S., but they're not in a any, they're not in an existing U.S. state. It's well, like a different U.S. State. Yeah, and they're in a manufactured town. It's right? it's the a ta- town is called Kier. Right, it's a town that was founded by the founder of this company. They're essentially like they're 150. Like, <laughs> it's like a mining town, basically. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of like Mormons, where they, it's like Utah for it's Utah for this company. Right, basically. <laughs> yeah, or you know, just like uh, the the free, like Poltergeists were like that one company built all those like houses for the people working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although, as far as I know in Severance, they're not built a, on like a burial ground or whatever that has happening in poltergeist. They're on an Indian burial ground. Yeah. <laughs> in, 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 if that was the thing in Severance. Wow, just, like, have they no added, one's gone. If they added no ghosts to that. Severance, <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. So you can sever your brain. You have two different stuff. Oh, also, there's ghosts. <laughs> I'm just imagining the showrunners sitting down, like, like you know, with like seven wall, or whatever. It's like, well, we thought it was so successful season one, and the thing we knew everyone wanted from season two was ghosts. So we filled, <laughs> we just filled this thing with ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the whole like the worst uh, fan theory is always X was dead the whole time. Yeah. It's just that. They just do that. Like, yeah, everyone said the whole time. They're all ghosts. They're all ghosts. There's no ramifications to that because they can <laughs> double die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Q- yeah. <laughs> anyway, severance is great. It is also funny because it's a, like this idea that I'm really think about a lot mm-hmm. is if you had a sentient computer program that became a person mm-hmm. that turning off that hard drive would be murder and then how would we have to change law to work with that and things? Yeah. And this is, achieves that same... It's like that same thought experiment, but with humans. Yeah. Where it's like you create a sentient, you create a new sentient, a manufactured sentient being, but within a human being. Yeah. And, uh, that's freaking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also good acting and writing and all that shit. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, most, almost every episode directed by Ben Stiller. I think there's a few in the middle that were, that that were not, um, very interesting. I wonder, I mean, so he's really been leading directing more. I mean, he did Escape from Dan and Mora, the Mm -hmm. series on Showtime, um, I funny. I wonder like how he decides which ones or any actor or director like which ones they're gonna like put themselves in front of the camera for and which not. Because like weirdly, Severance is one he kind of could have starred himself. Because yeah, Adam Scott's kind of like a more naturalistic version of some of the Ben Stiller uh, neurosis. Yeah, although ben Stiller, Does ben Stiller have any like drama dramas. Uh, the Clover uh, well That's one he directed himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. Yeah. But he is excellent in uh, the Meyerwood stories. The right, Tannenbaum I have movie. seen that. Yeah, he's, he's like good in incredible that. in that. Although so he, he's very much playing off his persona in that. Yeah, it's funny. Like with Sandler, who's the other comedian who's great when you put him in a drama. Right. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure. I mean, Tannenbaum's kind of though that is a comedy. It's just uh, yeah. also a drama. Yeah, it's a pretty. He's. Uh, I forgot. He's kind of the more most dramatic character in that. Yeah. I mean, they're all dramatic, but he's the most serious character. It, well, he gets the clearest like emotional. Like denouement. Yeah. Uh, denouement, denouement. 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 Thank you. Jesus Christ. Um, it's okay. It's French. It's tough. I know the fucking French. Always yeah. with this shit. <laughs> I can't, I cannot <laughs> pronounce French words, and it's a cause not a of problem for me. Whenever comes up, I'm like, ah, damn it. Like, I'm not gonna get this one. Let's play a game, but not the game you're thinking. We got a new game. Got a new game. Josh has a new game for us. I'll explain it. Uh so me and uh me and my friends, uh, we had this game where if you're in a car ride, you basically it's called top five. And the way it works is when you're in the car, you point at someone, you say, you know, quick, Cooper, top five, cheeses, number one. And then, you know. Gruyere. Number two. Brie. Number three. Cheddar. Number four. Swiss. Number five. uh, Jack. Cool. (laughs) Those are not my favorite (laughs) cheeses at all. Those are just the cheeses I can think of. So that's why it's fun. You really put people on the spot. And it's just kind of just like your top five. And a lot of it's just sort of the ones you can think of. Yeah. And you get some fun about it. So we thought, you know uh we're we're a podcast that talks a lot about movies and movie nerds love ranking things so we're gonna try and turn that into some movie shit yeah and talk about it yeah it's funny because uh me michael and eric had a failed podcast that was called (laughs) top five where we every episode would be we do a top five list for certain topics oh gotcha uh we never even released it there's no way to find it i have it on my my computer somewhere i should listen to it (laughs) sorry a podcast that's on sabbatical Yes. on indefinite yeah, yeah yeah not a failed podcast well it just hasn't it hasn't been released yet we're all we're just work we're cooking it up it's a cocooned podcast yeah and it's funny because we we had some movies ones we did like top five vegas movies which is mm-hmm. a very fun one but then we also had top five ways to die right i'm yeah. top top five is in the coolest sounding or like most pleasant as a. As well that was the fun part okay. because different people came into it with different interpretations of what that was because i think eric had top five like the most peaceful ways to die. Mm-hmm. I had like the coolest ways to die <laughs> and then somebody else had a different one. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to kick it off? Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, I, you want me to ask you? Oh, actually funny. I was about to do it, but then I was like, maybe he thinks I was no. teeing him up. Yeah, okay. I, I no. you go. <laughs> I thought you wanted me. To, let's just do it. Let's do it. All we right, I'm going to start with a really easy one. Top five star Wars movies. Number one, uh, star Wars. Number two, uh, Return of the Jedi. Number 3. Empire Strikes Back. Number 4. Rogue One. Number 5. Solo. Okay, kind of some spicy takes in there. Yeah, I mean there's is there one in between Rogue is there actually one in between Rogue One and Solo? Uh, I, mean, I mean I I like Last Jedi. I know you really much very much do not. No, I don't really like any of the sequels enough to I like I definitely like Solo better than any of the sequel sequels. Yeah. Um which is kind of an interesting take cuz I feel like there's people I mean, obviously, most people don't really... I haven't seen it, but most people are not super fond of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And then, obviously, Last Jedi is very polarizing, but Force Awakens is generally well-liked, I feel like. I didn't love it, Yeah, but it's also just that... It's like a whole philosophical thing about how I'm tired of hearing about the Skywalkers. Right, yeah. And I think these movies are really weighed down by trying to find ways to dovetail back into the original mythology. Mm -hmm. And then also... Those actors are all kind of old. Some of them clearly don't seem like they want to act anymore. One in particular. One in particular. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like he wants to be there. Yep. Um and it's funny cuz Solo is not a great counterexample. I mean, because it is still it's, it's the most transparently let's dig up these characters you you've seen and and know already. True, but it only really does it with There's like two major characters as with, but it's, it's also Chewie and Solo, yeah. And- Um, But it's far enough back in the past that it doesn't feel like they're really, they're not, they have like one point of dovetailing it in. Yeah. And some like thematic points of dovetailing it in. But it is kind of an original story Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that it's Han Solo. Right. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah. Which I like. So, Even though it's moderately successful. Yeah. So I mean, putting Solo on the list at all, I think, is a little bit of a spicy take. Yeah. Um, I agree. Rogue One. It, I'd probably. I'd definitely put Rogue One in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big one I want to I want to talk about is uh, Return of the Jedi over Empire Strikes Back. I think that's kind, kind of interesting. I feel like Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back are usually the one A one B. Yeah. This might just be a, this might just be a thing where it's like, as a kid, I always just like Tatooine stuff. And Return of the Jedi starts off with tattooing stuff, right. <laughs> even though it's a bunch of nonsense. Right, exactly. It's I mean, there's that great Script Notes episode that's just... Or maybe it was just an article first that, like... It was an article first that the Return of the Jedi the plan makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. But I always liked that a lot when I was a kid. And it's got the Ewoks. Yep. I like Ewoks. I, e- I mean, maybe this is just stuff I liked <laughs> when I was a kid. Maybe going... I actually haven't watched top to bottom, the original movies in a bit. It's been a while for me, too. Yeah. I have the um, despecialized editions. We should watch those. Ooh. So it's like the fan cut where they took a bunch of... They basically tried to get as close to theatrical as possible. Interesting. because Right, because the original cuts of these movies don't exist. No, there's no way to... I think it's a special feature on one of the DVDs is the theatrical cut, but it's like a pretty low resolution version of it right but there's no like blu-ray of the theatrical because george lucas never wanted to get it because george lucas considers all of the special editions to be like oh this is the movie right this, this is, like what is I wanted the to do. Yeah. <laughs> well there's that yeah and like he has the original cuts on film in his house like, yeah so, or like in one of his 14 million properties yeah uh and i like it, it's weird because like i kind of respect being like this is my thing i can do whatever i want with it but also i think that the theatrical version is better Right. And I, I, I just feel like you need to give the consumer the choice. Like, yeah. you, there's been a the Criterion community, you know, all like nine of us have been like kind of... <laughs> have, there's been a little drama recently because, you know, Criterion always gives has a thing director approved mm-hmm. on a lot of their movies. So uh, when they released their Wong Kar Wai set, um, he made a lot of big changes in the movies. Like, he yeah. completely changed the color correction on In the Mood for Love. Um, he made it like a, th- this kind of greenish filter over almost everything. Yeah. And then Fallen Angels, he cha- literally changed the aspect ratio on some scenes. Oh, that's interesting. Right. And he was just like, "Yeah, this is sort of what I always wanted to do." And I think some people are on board with that, and a lot of people are like, "Well, I want to be able to watch the movie I loved." You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing because I'm usually really hard on uh, fans. Don't get to dictate what artists do at yeah. all ever. Mm-hmm. Like, but then there's these times. It's it's really just more about like the quality is like if they are fucking with it making it worse then I think that I I want the original one but at the same time I'm kind of like yeah it's your thing I don't yeah. know I just want access to you know like it'd when, be nice you it'd know, be nice if they're just considerate you know like yeah like you know there's multiple folios of Shakespeare plays and there's multiple editions of like say like Frankenstein and you can read the 1808 or the 1818 edition of Frankenstein yeah it's I mean not like he burned every cop she burned every copy of 1808 yeah it's true it's like more like I would respect if I don't know if there were like revivals in theaters and George Lucas, like you have to do the official version. I'm not going to do my George Lucas impression. Cause it's not good. Um, <laughs> like this is the official one. You show this in like a theater context, like per my mm-hmm. like mandate. Yeah. But there's these other versions you can watch on your own. Like yeah. I would respect that. Like I respect the idea that there is an official one. Right. The one that, but like, I, you know, I agree with that. I think it's nice to have that, but I also think it's part of a conversation and like, you know, it, it's lucky that the Wong Car Wide movies are available in their original ways in a lot of different yeah. aspects, although I, I hope long-term that stays that way. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Star Wars one is is frustrating, certainly. Yeah. Um, the weirdest one, this is a Criterion one, too. So Criterion released Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen it? No. Uh, great great movie. You'd love it. Yeah, I love Coen, Coen Brothers. Coen, incredible. Um, but they cut out one joke. It's literally like 10 seconds. That's and really it's a funny. good joke. And like, they didn't announce it. It's just, it says directors approved. And like, literally, it just took someone on the Criterion subreddit, like, watching it and being like, guys, I think this one great joke we all loved is not in the movie anymore. It's so funny because it's also really opaque about why those changes are made. Because <laughs> the, the Cohen brothers, especially, like do not like explaining their shit. Yeah, which so. I respect. Also, respect that. Yeah. So, like, someone emailed Criterion, Criterion emailed back, like, yeah, they, they took it out. <laughs> <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> Everything else is the same. That's really funny. <laughs> um, if you ever... Um, I was it, like, E.T. had a thing with the walkie-talkies and the guns, right? Yeah, yeah. Was that it, a network note, though? I don't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, because there was a re-release of that, too, and they may have changed it for that. I don't remember. Yeah, because I think... Oh, God. This is going to get dangerously into us. me just talking about something I don't know that much about. But there's something where they they like digitally replaced guns with walkie-talkies, and it's goofy. Yes, I, I, that, I know that was a thing in the Watchmen trailers. There was yeah. like a scene where like, um, what's his name? Ozymandias is like dodging the bullet or whatever, like, yeah. catching the bullet. And like, you can see him like, catch the bullet, but the guy's holding a walkie-talkie. That's hilarious. Even though in the movie, it's a gun just because you can't put a gun firing in a, in a trailer. Yeah. Into that time. Yeah, trailers, I'm fine with that. That's a different yeah, thing. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, not that trailer editing isn't an art form. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are. But it's a different art form from movies, right? Yeah, um, one that is less impacted by a, a small change like that, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, top five. Let's do let's do an easy one. Let's do film noirs. Okay, one. Kiss Me Deadly. Two. The Big Sleep. Three. Chinatown. Four. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> five. Uh, out of the Past. Okay. Okay. I, um, I kind of panicked halfway through and went to the two that we did on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait. Oh, Chinatown. Yeah. I oh, yeah. was like, we didn't do out of the past. Um, <laughs> Kiss Me Deadly, number one. Yeah. I mean, partially is that I'd watched it the most recently. It's funny because Kiss Me Deadly is a movie that I really want to like more than I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool movie, and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, and it's great, and it's also fun how it's influential. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark face uh, melt is like, like a reference back. to Kiss Me Deadly. Yeah. Um, but it's not my, maybe it's like not my favorite one to watch. Yeah. I guess that's fair. It's, I, I find it really interesting. I think the structure is kind of, is very brilliant. Yeah. You know, oh, it's totally a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was just the one I thought of first, but I, I kind of, I'm thinking about it, like, you know, like film noirs because so many of them were like, you know, the poverty row, like not very the prestige movies. There's not. I I don't know that there's a canonical like this is the truly great film. You know you have like Maltese Fal- Falcon might be up there. I mean, um, um, Big Sleep. Yeah, that's that was my number two, but that's a yeah. movie you don't really appreciate as much. No, like, I like the book, but I don't like the movie. Yeah, uh, I'd say Double Indemnity is probably my number. Oh, that's probably my number one. That's uh, one I probably should have thought of. And I just bought that four K like last week. Yeah, too. that movie's great. It's yeah. just super fun too. Yeah, uh, and then do you have like kind of like stuff that's like. I'm trying to think, like, I feel like there's movies that are, like, noir-ish. Well, it's funny, because, like, Roger Rabbit is, like, neo-noir. Right. Because also, I in my mind, that, that, like, broke my brain a little bit, because I was like, wait, that's in color. But, like... Yeah, because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, would you put, like, brick in there if you... Right, yeah, because if I, if I thought of it... Yeah. Yeah, brick's, brick's brilliant. I mean, if you're going just classic film noir, because then you have stuff like Detour. Which is like not a detective story, but it is very noirish. Yeah. Oh wait, my number one Sunset Boulevard. That's noir, right? Well, that's the thing. Is it? It's like this drama of this guy. It's right. noirish because of how it's filmed and how and it's the, the story's told in the VO. And yeah. Like, it, it's got. It's in the format of a noir. That, that's what a noir is, though, right? Like. Uh, yeah, but I feel like noir often. It's can, not always crime. Right, but it often can be like a. But there is crime in it. But there's not like a lot of times. film noir is very specifically like a detective trying to solve this big conspiracy, and that's a lot more of like. That's like a chamber of drama. That's like a, a, a this the two this one domineering character, yeah. You know, and these but, two people, but it is. It's but the film. way the writer works is that he's investigating what's going on with this crazy ass actress, and mm-hmm. the VO feels very noir-y, And then there is a big you know crime at the end of it. Yeah. No, I I think yeah. that's a good take. It's not. I mean, I that's yeah. probably why I didn't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I get probably with the benefit of hindsight. Oh, that's a funny thing because Double Indemnity is is the crime is being uncovered, but not uh, the crime the main characters the did yeah. is being uncovered by like their buddy. Yeah. <laughs> who are insurance investors. this. I love, there's a whole sub genre of detective fiction where the investigators are not detectives, but insurance investigators yeah, and they're like way better at it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it is. Fun. Yeah. The, the other type of investigator. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, out of the past, I just, you know, the, um, Robert Mitchum movie, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, I mean, that's just fucking off-the-rack Nordstrom Noir. Like, just fantastic. <laughs> like Off-the-nordstrom-rack? Off the <laughs> Do you think that'd be discount noir? Right. <laughs> well, all noir is discount noir. Yeah, sure. I get just because it was made cheaply, that was the whole point. What about an ultra-budget noir? Can we do, like... (laughs) Like, What is the highest budget? Just that one part of Attack of the Clones where they're, like, looking for clues. I do love... Oh, man. So, (laughs) Attack of the Clones is, like, the promise of a Star Wars noir. I mean, oh, shit. Well, speaking of Blade Runner noir. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, if Blade Runner's noir, it's up there. Right, it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's definitely neo-neo-neo noir. Right, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the most you neo know, the yeah. technical or but he is a detective like if by your criteria blade runner is more of a noir than sunset boulevard right yeah yeah it's funny that it is kind of hard to pin down like like i mean like you know something like ace in the hole is very much not like a mystery that's just sort of like the satire yeah uh, or something like sweet smell of success maybe a little bit more like that because that takes place in a city and there are crimes going on there mm-hmm. but they're not like you know detective in the hat i'm asking questions here bub but it is just sort of like seediness and yeah i guess it's about is noir about style or about content or is it about both Interestingly, this this has turned out to be not so an easy, much an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was a gimme. Uh, I mean, Chinatown speaks for itself. Chinatown, Chinatown's great. I mean, yeah, and Roger Rabbit. I guess I'd probably swap that out for for Brick or yeah. uh, or if Sweet Smell Success counted, put that one up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Big Sleep is just. I mean, that's such a classic. I guess I could put Maltese Falcon there instead, but I find um, I like Maltese Falcon a lot, but I think Big Sleep, uh, whether or not it makes sense, is like more entertaining moment to moment than. Uh, than Maltese Falcon is so like of the bogeys. Big Sleep's kind of my pick. Bogeys great. Yeah. Bo- fucking coolest dude. Yeah, it's funny because I've seen a bunch of like nonsense bogey movies. Like oh, there's a lot of nonsense bogey <laughs> movies. He's just in a lot of movies. Yeah. God, the the bit in in Big Sleep where it just becomes sort of like where he's just like pretending to be like a nerd to like oh it, yes it, out of nowhere. Yeah, it's great, and, and it's also like it's like the broadest version of a nerd. Yeah, but in. The, Fifties or forties or whatever the hell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, and the, and the whole rest of the movie, he's you know he's Philip Marlowe. He's like very serious and he's solving problems. And yeah. then he's just like for this one case, I need to pretend to be a nerd to seduce this librarian. Oh, speaking of Philip Marlowe, Long Goodbye. Uh, see, I'm this is this is, that is noir. Me. Well, that's a me thing, but I I don't love the Robert Altman Long Goodbye as much because I really love that book. Mm, yeah, and sort of what you had with Big Sleep, exactly. But I feel like Big Sleep is trying to get to. It's something of the soul of that book. Like, it's trying to, like, Edwards, Long Goodbye, a lot of times it feels like Robert Altman being like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> this is all dumb. It's, <laughs> it's funny because, like, that's my take on The Big Sleep because they are just like, oh, this book's great. You know what? We could use more bogey and McCall. Let's get rid of all this book shit. <laughs> I guess to me, Long Goodbye, the book, has this very emotional ending mm-hmm. and the movie has this very, like, rah-rah, flippant ending. Yeah. And that, to me, was, like, the biggest... And, and I can't deny how brilliant Altman is in the direction, and, the, and uh, uh, Eugene, Elliot Gould is incredible yeah. in that movie, and um, the greatest performance of Arnold, Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> career. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. He stands so good. <laughs> god it, he doesn't deliver a line so good but like it's just so funny that there's a bunch of goons and one of them is a giant beautiful man and the rest yeah. of them are not i know they should and they should be really uh, does Philip marlowe like does elliot gould comment on him at no all? one no no one acknowledges because how they, weird it is that he's there which is kind of the thing for all arnold Schwarzenegger movies <laughs> like no one comments the fact he's like a giant austrian man yeah. <laughs> god and i feel like even like i feel like total recall kind of plays up how like every man he is yeah like obviously he's a giant gorgeous ripped like, oh anime. that's kind of the point of total recall is oh that like oh because he's like a spy and just got yeah, yeah okay, that, or it's like all in his brain yeah okay. yeah that, that one works actually it's weirdly total recall it's like the best casting of arnold schwarzenegger because right. pretending that he's an every man <laughs> is in the fact that that makes no goddamn sense like is kind of the point of total recall that is true yeah yeah god, that movie's so funny it's good. really great <laughs> Uh, all right, one for you. Oh, no. Uh, I am thinking. I'm scared. Top f- Oh, you're going to hate this. Top five horror movies, a genre you do not like as much as some other genres. Yes. Uh, Number one. Rosemary's Baby. Number two. <laughs> oh, oh, name, a <laughs> name, name a woman. Name a woman. This is really name a woman, the game, <laughs> uh, as much as name a woman is that game. Um, okay, we'll just do nope. Because it's a new hot take. <laughs> Number three, um, Horror Express. Number four, Oh God. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, Nightmare on Elm Street. Number five. There's actually horror movies I like. I'm remembering them now. <laughs> Number five. Oh shit. No, no, no. I forgot them again. No, no. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. <laughs> Name a woman. Name a woman. Um, what's another horror movie? That Critters. We're doing Critters. Critters? <laughs> yeah. Really run in the gamut. And I, you haven't even seen Nope, right? I saw it. Oh, you saw Nope? I saw it in theaters last week. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's good to know. I like... Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, good it's Nope's good. To, good to Nope. <laughs> good to Nope. <laughs> uh, which is funny because it's like... I don't think Nope is necessarily a five star. I think it's a very, very strong four star. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I like it a lot. It oh, was yeah. Good. It's brilliant. I yeah. mean, I... My, if anyone, fuck, my... I would have said Alien. I should have said <laughs> Alien. God damn it! No, or the Witch. We covered it on the pod. Y- yeah, I like. I don't know if the Witch. Hocus Pocus. <laughs> is that horror? I don't know. There's yeah. witches. Uh, alien would definitely be my number one. Now yeah. that I'm not scared. <laughs> uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby, though, is a strong number one. It's a very good movie. Yeah, it really. It's the most. It's just so un. Settling. Yeah. Like, there's no point in the movie where you're not a little bit stressed out. Yeah. Like, the whole movie is like being at a party where you don't know anyone, but like, also for some reason, like, no one's like introducing themselves to you. Yeah. Everyone's just like acting like they all know something you don't and they're not going to tell you. Yeah. Which they are in <laughs> that movie. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so stressful. And yeah. And it really gets into just like the stress of. I mean, not that I know this personally, but, like, the stress of motherhood and mm-hmm. the stress of something happening in your body that you don't understand, which yep. is something I can identify with, but not as motherhood, just as, like, when you're sick or something. Right. And, every like, that feeling of everyone you meet is telling you, like, how to do your pregnancy and how to live your life. Yeah. And, like, just, like, offer an unsolicited advice constantly. Yeah, and uh, even it kind of gets into, like, it's kind of applicable to, like, wellness culture of just, like, there's not really a hard answer for how to do this right, so mm-hmm. everyone's just giving these, like, very definitive sounding opinions on how to do it but none of them are really provable but you feel like you have to be doing something yeah uh what was your number i think i said horror express yeah what's horror express it's like a it's uh it's like peter cushing and um uh shoot what's his uh telly savalas <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's one other wait there's one other guy it's uh Horror express when did this movie come out what is this movie about it's like a train that has like a like a mo- these guys there's like a, a train there's okay there's the horror express is a train okay <laughs> um there's like these guys find this like kind of yeti monster that's in like an ice block okay and they're like transporting it on a train mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like murdering people on this train and turning mm-hmm. them crazy yeah and uh, uh oh it's christopher lee peter cushing and telly Zavalis. it's like a good ass incredible yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh yeah uh christopher lee is like investigating it oh no sorry Peter Cushing's investigating it. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> Chris really is the Yeti. Yes. That would be <laughs> fucking great. Uh, it's got some cool-ass effects. It's mm-hmm. actually, like, it's kind of goofy, but also, like, very fun. I was watching it because I got really obsessed with um, public domain movies, and it is a public right. domain movie. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of public domain movies. that there's just these They movies, belong to all of us. Yeah, these movies that belong to all of us, and especially the ones that just, like, somebody's... There's, there's like, half of them where it's they fell out of... It's copyright because yeah. they're old yeah and there's other ones where somebody just forgot to renew it at some point yeah well that was um um night, N- night of the living dead it was just like they forgot to like submit the permit or whatever yeah. it was like some weird dumb thing in like the 60s and that's sort of why it became so legendary because like any like any theater, theater could house could it. just be like fuck yeah let's just do the night of the living dead again we can do it for free yeah and like i don't know it it feels I love the idea that we're not like fettered by copyright. and <laughs> There's just these movies that we can do whatever we want with. We can watch them however we want, and we can use them in other movies, and we can reference them. And just they are—they feel could, like they are ours. Yes, yeah. It's better when things belong to everyone eventually. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And what was the, okay? So nope. Um, well, we can, we can save nope talk because we 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 were very likely going to eventually cover it on the pod. Oh yeah, true. Um, and Nightmare on Elm Street oh, is I, fucking Street, great. Really great, really inventive, really fun. Yeah, I mean, and scary. Oh yeah, Wes Craven, uh, absolute horror genius. Yeah, you know, just secondary only to John Carpenter probably in terms of just like yeah, for sure, uh, legend of the genre. But also like I feel like what's so fun about uh to go back and watch Nightmare on Elm Street, like Freddy has become such a character. You know yeah. he's so like goofy and jokey and creepy. Like he's basically become the Joker. Yeah. But in that movie, he's just gross and mean. Like he's not playing a lot of gags. Yeah. He's not doing a bunch of toying with people. He just kills the shit out of you. Yeah, which is true of a lot of those big franchise horror people. Like Mike Myers is kind of like Michael Myers is kind of like that. Yeah. Where it's like he turns into this kind of other mythological being, but in the first movies, it's a much smaller idea. Right. He's a guy with a knife who, I get it's hard to kill. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then Nightmare on Elm Street, it it at again, like it kinda has at its core just a really interesting or er, really powerful concept, which is just like, what if sleeping was scary? What if what if you couldn't sleep or else you would die? Right. That is horrifying. Yeah. And what if when you had a bad dream, it could hurt you? Yeah. That <laughs> like bad dreams are fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> and also just the like it's like when you're in college and you're doing an all nighter and you know that you have to stay awake or else you will fail. This class right. It's like that terror, <laughs> but a movie and this guy with knife hands. And like we said, early, early giant up, really, early giant up. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one was critters, right? I, I love critters. Cause uh, I was, I was thinking gremlins and I'm like gremlins isn't really a horror movie, but Crit- and I, that led me to the ripoff of gremlins. <laughs> Apparently critters is actually, people say it's not the creators said it's not a ripoff of gremlins. It was like parallel development even though it feels, feels like, like a rip-off yeah. of Kremlins. <laughs> uh, Critters is legit very, legit, very fun. The, um, I forget, the Graboids or something. <laughs> no, the no cra- not. Graboids is Tremors. Graboids um, is Tremors. tremors. Uh, oh, they're Krites. They're called Krites. Krites, okay. Yeah, like K-R-I-T-E. Okay. They're like kind of scary and weird and creepy. they got a lot of teeth. Yeah. they got it l- has too many teeth. Yeah, and yeah. They, they roll around in a big ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird-ass movie, but it is also a scary horror movie, and it kind yeah. of just set up like sets up has some action pays off it's a solid movie i feel like you could have put gremlins on there i know it's i i weirdly i feel like gremlins 2 has like retroactively made us think of gremlins as less of a horror movie when it does have like, like this scary like, the scary are scary and they play it very straight the sca- the horror scenes in uh gremlins yeah but there is still the, the go- stuff the, the funny stuff is funny but the scary yeah. stuff is scary there's a lot of gremlins in like goofy little hats and goofy little outfits and stuff like, yeah. when they're, like, playing cards and things, and they just have taken over the house, that's pretty pretty that's lowbrow really cool comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember the scene, like, there's, like, the professor is, like, gets killed by the gremlins. I remember yeah. that being, like, particularly, like, very upsetting. Oh, yeah. I think it scared me as a kid, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what are the ones I missed, Josh? What what should the I great have orb- said? Well, well, I don't know well, what you would You, you would say the thing, and I... I would say the thing is my... Clear runaway number one, and I don't, I don't dislike the thing. I just haven't seen it in a while, right? So I just don't know where I would put it. I don't have any strong takes on it. Yeah, I mean, almost like I have the benefit of having to think about this for the last couple of minutes. Yeah, not it's just, great. It's like, <laughs> not just like <laughs> overwhelming me and yelling at me. And yeah, yeah. So thing would definitely be number one. Um, I'd probably throw on um the Duke, the movie I like really adore. Oh uh, yeah, the Duke. They they sold out of that uh, Pride Blu-ray, but I've been re- trying to get that. For oh, a while. that's fun. Shot Factory makes that's it. pretty good. Yeah, they're great by the way, really great label. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's just my mind is going to like more recent ones like Midsomar or It Follows or things like that. Yeah, I think all time. I mean, I'd put the original Halloween probably up there. Uh, really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably would put Rosemary's Baby on there. Yeah, I do legitimately think Rosemary's Baby might be you know, my top one. Yeah. What, what about, uh, would you put um, Don't Look Back? Don't Look Now? Don't look, don't look Now. I wouldn't. I think that's an interesting movie. Yeah. I, d- I think I was not as blown away by it as um, a lot of film people are. It has a goofy-ass ending that kind of sours me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so brilliant when it's good, but also it's kind of... I I don't know. I look. I mean, I know it's Nicholas Rogue who's made other movies I adore, but also it's just not. I think I was expecting like my new favorite movie, and I end up getting like a kind of weird and interesting horror movie. Yeah. Uh, do love me, Donald Sutherland though. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, and then I guess going further, I probably might put the Birds on there. I really love the Birds. Oh, the Birds is good. That counts. I mean, it's a really really brilliant movie. It's a Hitchcock movie. The scary stuff is like not that scary, but when it is, it's pretty good. Hmm. Um, and like I've I've dropped this take before, but it's a movie about how stressful it is to meet your uh, your mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta identify with Josh. <laughs> uh, I put it I, my my Letterbox take on this was this movie rules because Hitchcock understands that meeting your meeting your mother-in-law is scarier than birds, but also birds are scary. <laughs> yeah. That is my take. They are scary. They're just small, <laughs> except for the ones that aren't. Some of them are big. And scary. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Some of them aren't small. Some of them can do bad things to you uh oh oh oh, oh. i put cure the uh um japanese movie um it's like a um sort of a serial killer movie really really brilliant um very unsettling yeah. um so that would be i don't know how many that was but you know those are probably the ones i'd reach for yeah oh scream shit screams great i would have done scream yeah you could fill the whole thing with wes craven or john carpenter movies probably yeah oh the shinning the shinning yeah. Oh, shining. Yeah. Yeah. yeah put actually, that up there. Probably the shining alien. Like my real list is probably Shining Alien Scream. Uh, and then I do Rosemary's Baby. See, it's a tough one because it's a tough one if you like horror movies because it feels like impossible narrow down to five. Yeah. I feel like the reason I threw it to you is because you don't really you're not super into horror movies. So like maybe you only have five. Yeah, I, 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 it's actually it is approaching. I only have about five. <laughs> because there's a lot of there's ones that have like four stars but they're not like not significant enough for me to put them in a top five list well i mean you could also put like horror comedies in there you know your cabin in the woods your uh um uh dead yeah. alive or called dead, dread Bindead. honestly yeah yeah tucker uh, and dale vs. evil all, right, all right. right oh let me give you one okay 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 <laughs> Oh, uh, I have one that might be too hard. Fuck, you know what? We only live once. We can cut it out if we're not gonna do it. All right, top five movie posters. Movie posters. Number one, Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two. Um, uh, honestly, the one I'm thinking of is Cure because I just mentioned it. There's like a new 4K like poster for it. Yeah. Uh, number three, the Alien poster that's right behind me. <laughs> easy, easy. It's uh for the audience. I have a uh Polish edition of the Alien poster. Uh, number four, the um, the this is going to be complicated, but like the 2012 re-release slash actual release of Army of Shadows. Okay. Um, I'll explain that when I get to number five, which is the fly poster that just says, be afraid, be very afraid. Oh, that's it. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do realize that's a very tough prompt, <laughs> also because it's visual. In retrospect, that was a dumb idea because okay. it's completely let's, visual. let's go down them so I can explain what yeah. they are. Number one is Jaws. Don't be afraid to go, or or what is it? Be afraid to go in the water. Whatever the tagline is. Oh, you'll. Uh, I have it in front of me. A helmet. Yeah, but you know, it's the swimmer and the giant jaw shark going to eater Yeah, you get so what good. that movie is. It's fucking brilliant. Um, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, that's Jaws Two. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. You the the Polish movie poster for Jaws Two is like a double mouthed Jaws, a double mouthed shark coming up, and it's really crazy uh i love the fucking polish movie posters they're so they're so good uh i'm trying to pull up the cure poster for janice uh here it is it's like a guy and there's like a lighter on his eye it looks kind of like that oh that's good yeah the lighter is like a major plot point and a lot of that movie is just staring at people's faces and while they're being unnerving and that's just what i thought of yeah the alien poster right behind me it's a giant rib cage with eyeballs Which the, is because yeah, there's a scary thing that comes out of your ribcage. The Poles are freaky people. <laughs> yeah. I think it's honestly, I was digging into it. I think these Polish posters, a lot of them are by this one artist, which is why there's a lot of eyeballs in all of them because I think this artist just likes eyeballs. So it might not be the um, all of the. Polls are this crazy. It's just this one guy. Yeah. And, but he's like the most famous pole. It's like if you only saw a Fellini movie, you'd think, wow, does the Italians love circuses? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they do. Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm but a man. <laughs> maybe it's like correlative and not causal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's the Army of Shadows poster I was telling you about. Okay. So it's like a black and white guy in a chair tied up. And there's like a Swatska under him. Oh, yeah. Because it's a movie about uh, spies in the resistance, French spies resisting against uh, Nazi occupation uh, in the 40s. And there's also the Criterion cover. And the weird thing about this movie was it was never released in America until, I think, 2012. Or maybe like literally like 2011. So there was this weird thing where critics were being kind of cute with it, with like technically this 1963, like Jean-Pierre Melville, like masterpiece. Yeah. Was only now getting at the its first run theatrical release in the U S which meant it was eligible for the Oscars oh, that fun. year. So like a lot of like these critics put it on there, like best of the year, like best yeah. director, Jean-Pierre Melville that's for really shadows. And like, you know, number two, like Ben Affleck for Argo. That's funny. Um, <laughs> all right. Out, out of, out of visual descriptions of non, <laughs> non movies. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> I, I, movie posters are interesting. I yeah. Say I do love movie posters. Yeah. Uh, although like you said, there's not as much, they don't really matter now. No, because it's, yeah, marketing is not it's as based on the poster. It's all on your phone. It's yeah. all clips. And you don't even really have like DVDs anymore. Yeah. No. I mean, I do, but I yeah, but those I but those are like, you know, the Criterion. They have their own team of artists making those posters. Yeah, those Criterion posters are great. All right, I have kind of a silly one. Okay. Top 5 Brad Pitt movies or Brad Pitt performances in movies. Oh, just the performances. Let's do Yeah, let's do just performances. All right, one. Uh 12 Monkeys. Okay, two. Fight Club. Three. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Four. Oh shit. Yeah, this is when um, it starts to get tough. I know. it's tough because so he's in so many good ones, but like, like he's in a lot of bad ones too. And those are the ones you think of. Yeah, I know because uh, you know I'm just gonna say uh, Oceans 13. Okay. Five. Um, um, fucking Benjamin Button. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I mean, that's actually probably maybe his most difficult acting. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's it's like a hard premise to act specifically. Yeah. I think the top three of, um, of Twelve Monkeys, Fight Club, and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that feels pretty like strong. Pretty like I would just, I would maybe shuffle it. I probably put Fight Club, Once Upon a Time, and then Twelve Monkeys. But also because I don't remember Twelve Monkeys that well because I saw it a long time ago. He's very good. It's like a very big, crazy performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Legends of the Fall? I have not. How he Fight a Bear? It. It's a western. You're thinking of The Revenant. I'm not. <laughs> I think there's a bear in Legends of the Fall. I'm going to look it up. All right. But um, I have not seen that. I feel like that's like a very classic, like, Brad Pitt before the mega stardom run. I feel like he gets the Oscar nomination for, like, 12 Monkeys. Yeah. And then you kind of have that of, like, I think, like, Meet oh, Joe Black's around shit. then. Wait, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, oh my god no. we forgot. that's I, that, that would be on my top that list. would maybe be my third i'd probably drop i'd probably drop benjamin button and put on oh you know, no snatch there is a bear in legend of the fall cool. and Sn- you're right snatch snatch might be oh man he's in a lot of good ass yeah and i'd probably yeah pro- i probably want Snatch and glorious bastards above moneyball and and benjamin button, but i do think he's very good in moneyball Oh, he's very good in Moneyball. But it's like Oh, I didn't do Moneyball. I did uh Ocean thirteen, which stays. Yeah, he's that good. That shit stays. That's the top four. So really it's just what are we replacing Mendery Button with? Snatch or Glorious Bastards. Uh oh shit. That's tough. Because Snatch is so fun. And yeah. Glorious Bastards is like a smaller I mean, he's a big role in the movie, but mm-hmm. actually no, actually wait, he's a smaller role in Snatch, but he's just like such a huge ass character. Right. It's so much acting. They're kind of similar, like performances but, and that's just like there's powerhouse side just takes over everything is what you remember about the movie well like in snatch it's so silly and strange but the movie's not winking at you whereas i feel like in glory spatchers the performance is so arch like he's yeah. k- he's very kind of silly and performative a lot of the time yeah uh, and he doesn't really go on a journey or ever show emotion he's just sort no. of is aldo rain <laughs> same with snatch Like yeah. what's his journey his journey is he gets sad when they kill his mom and then he kills them yeah yeah but it's so goddamn yeah, it's so good. so goddamn good. It's <laughs> just like crazy accent work. God, I feel like that... I We should go back and watch Snatch. I love that movie. Yeah. And I feel like that's just like... Man, I guess there was just a moment where people were like, we just can't get enough of interlocking gangster stories with accents we don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Snatch is... That's Guy Ritchie, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it's kind of Guy Ritchie's just influence on movies at the time. Which is funny because I feel like he's made a lot more that are not as like remember like, lock Lockstock is guy richie too right Yeah. so Lockstock and snatch were his first two yeah and then i think he does a bunch of other stuff including like Sherlock Holmes movies but he still has like three or two or three other like i guess like the gentleman and revolver and rock, rock and roll yeah. yeah i just saw rock and roll did you like it no i haven't seen it mm. yeah, well that's the thing i've only seen other guy if guy richie i've seen those two Lockstock and snatch yeah which are both freaking great yeah Although I've seen Lock Sock more because it used to be on Netflix streaming, whereas Snatch was not. Oh, fun. Uh, and the short, second Sherlock Holmes movie and The Man From U.N.C.L.E., which is quite fun, actually. Oh, yeah. That's based on TV show, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, did you see Aladdin? Uh, did Guy Ritchie direct Aladdin? Uh, 2019 Aladdin directed by Guy Ritchie. I, if I knew <laughs> I that, forgo- I have forgotten it. I forgot about that, too. <laughs> what an interesting choice. Oh, did you see Untitled Guy Ritchie film? I wouldn't know, <laughs> <laughs> but it came out in TBA. So, do you remember what were you uh, what, what was going on in your life during TBA? Uh, it was a great year. We were coming off the down year of TBD. <laughs> 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 um, Twelve Monkeys, brilliant, crazy. Love that movie. Yeah, Fight Club, obviously super iconic. Fight Club, his like best perform, like one of the. I don't. It's funny because Brad Pitt has so many performances that are just like super fun and charismatic. Yeah. But they're also good. Yeah. But it's because sometimes it's hard to separate those two because like Fight Club is like, I don't know, like that character. Tyler Durden is just such a fun ass character, Mm -hmm. but is also like doing a lot. I also think that's probably the most a single character of his has become like iconic or a big part of like the culture. Yeah. Um. Like all funny. He has an incredible filmography and a lot of big hits, but like he's sort of. Like, like, World War Z, I think, is his highest grossing movie. Or it was until, like, oh, somewhat recently. That's interesting. Um, so, like, it, weirdly, I feel like, Fight, like when Brad Pitt dies in 100 years or whatever, <laughs> like, it'll be Brad Pitt, star of... You mean when we when we die before Brad Pitt? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it'll be, like, star of Fight Club will probably be what it reads. I think that yeah. will end up being the one that lasts the most. Probably. Just It was such a huge, like, cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and you'll never... Yeah, and also because it's so early. He was, like, so young and just, <laughs> like, vibrant that it's kind of hard to recreate that even though he's still great. Right. And that one scene where he has like 11 abs. Yeah. Apparently they had to like build the whole shoot around that scene. Right, (laughs) It's too many abs. Yeah. I was trying to think of other actors who like, like actors who you've probably seen more than 20 of their movies. You like Tom Hanks. And the other one I almost did was, um, uh, born in Denny. What's what's his name? Oh, Matt Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon's been some good ass movies. Yeah. He's been a lot of good ass movies. Yeah. The great wall. You got yeah. Jason Bourne. You got uh, he wasn't downsizing. He wasn't Jason Bourne, was he? He wasn't Jason Bourne. He was not in the Bourne Legacy. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to rip on Matt Damon. I do think Matt Damon's kind of brilliant. Uh, yeah. He's a really, really good actor. Um, okay, I, we can do one for you and we can okay. do some Rex and get out of here. Yeah. Okay. All right. This right. You're going to have to think. Oh, no. But I'm kind of interested. I already to see panicked hard enough at the easy prompt of horror movies. <laughs> Top five special effects characters characters who are not actual human beings on screen it could oh. be practical or cgi it is entirely your call but they must be actual characters this is funny because the immediate ones that leap to mind are the bad ones number one is gizmo the gremlin <laughs> number two <laughs> uh r2d2 number three uh, I, I like okay. This is not, I, I want to say ET, but I don't love ET that much. Like <laughs> that's the, I, love, the, no, the no 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 of the game. That's not, <laughs> it's not ET. <laughs> it's oh god damn it. Um, oh it's Johnny Johnny Five Johnny the short short circuit robot whatever it's called is it Johnny Five Johnny Rocket I don't know yeah, I, Johnny Five sounds right. Um, okay then okay we'll do. Uh, actually, Golem. We'll do Golem. Go, number four. <laughs> it's so well, hard. It is Johnny Five, by the way. I just haven't seen yeah, Short Circuit. <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> Short Circuit either. Um, number five the movie is. There's so many movies that I like that are like <laughs> these kind of characters. And I can't okay, so it can't be a guy in a suit, right? No, it can't be a guy in a suit. Oh, then uh, yeah. the xenomorph. The xenomorph. Yeah. Number five. The xenomorph has a name. I can't oh, it's like Big Fellow or something. They had they had like a nickname for it on set. It was Big Chap, I think. Oh, like the Shark and Jaws had a name. It was Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Number five. Big Chap. Big Chap? Yeah. Is it <laughs> is it Big Chap? For the Xenomorph? Like, but you already did the Xenomorphs number four. Oh wait, oh shit, that was that was. Oh, I was thinking that was five. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Then Bruce, Bruce the shark. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Top five. <laughs> what a bananas list. I, Gollum <laughs> feels like a thank God he made it on there because I feel like he's in the he's on the Mount Rushmore of these characters. I know. Yeah, he's like the one that the, with like an arc and is not played as a joke. He, yeah, and then I was like, I was thinking between Gollum and there's also like Caesar the chimp. Oh, that would be a really good one. But.
1: Yeah, I guess really that's probably movies.
0: like the. It's funny because like that's not my favorite movie. It's tough because I was like thinking between my favorite movies, mm-hmm. like because was it Rise of the Planet of the Apes is good, mm-hmm. not one of my favorite movies ever, but that's a very good performance and a very good mocap performance. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're doing like like raw skill of mocap, then yeah. Caesar the chimp and Golem are like on the Mount Rushmore. It's just Andy Serkis' head yeah, five exactly, times with yeah. a bunch of dots on it. <laughs> I like that his Rushmore gets five. His <laughs> <laughs> Rushmore four. Rushmore is four. Yeah. Top five presidents on Mount Rushmore. Oh no, Lincoln, 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 Lincoln. <laughs> it's just Lincoln four times. We should do that. We're changing it. <laughs> Which are the ones you want to lose? All of them, but Lincoln, Washington, so Jefferson, and Teddy. You're not going to get me into trying to name the ones on Mount Rushmore because you know I know don't know them. <laughs> I think you have a better chance of getting the Chris's again than doing the Mount Rushmore president. <laughs> 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 uh, what else is on your list? What was your first, What was the first thing on your list? It was something funny. Oh, oh Gizmo the Gremlin. Gim- yeah, Gizmo's great. Gizmo's great. Gizmo's Gizmo's great. He's great. adorable. He's small, adorable. He's cute. Yeah, launched like created the Furby. Yeah, I think like more modern ones you could put on like uh, Groot. Yeah, Groot's good. I mean, I don't know. Groot's not my favorite. King Shark from Suicide Squad, stuff like that. King Shark's very good. Thanos. Well, it's funny because these are like, yeah, so there's, like, there's like the humanoid ones and there's like the interesting kind of like non-humanoid ones. So but cool. I guess you're saying character. Cause you would, so you wouldn't do like... I mean, you could do a Borg. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Would you consider Big Chap a character? Is Big Chap alien? Yeah. We the just, we'll just, just call just him the, the Xenomorph. The, he's the Xenomorph. He's the Xenomorph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Xenomorph is not really a character in that he yeah. has no personality. I think the question was intentionally vague. I really <laughs> wanted you to make of what you could with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely, I love that design. And oh yeah, it is a good performance, except for the one time it goes, Wah! <laughs> <laughs> "Hey there, hey, 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 just hands." <laughs> 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 it is, it is hot, cha 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 that, That's what it is. I uh, think Bruce is one I'll push back because, like, I feel like. Famously was shitty, right? And like, famously, like the less you see of Bruce, is. <laughs> famously poorly made, not in the movie very much. <laughs> the shark, yeah, yeah. Like if we're doing a shark, you want to do like the ones from Deep Blue Sea that are insane and the hilarious, with his head br- stuck in a stove <laughs> and get great, have great comedic timing, on when they choose to leap out of the water and eat a man—that is one of the funniest sh- scenes in the world. Where he says, "We have to stick together," and the shark just eats them. It's a giant in the middle of this giant rally. The team speech. I think if that. Scene had not happened. That movie would have been completely forgotten. That movie would just yeah. be like fucking nothing. And I like that movie. It's very fun. But yeah. like that scene, just it will air on TNT forever because of that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What What are the ones I missed? This is like always the recap. Now, it's just what right, are the ones like, I panicked and up. missed? Yeah. I mean, you got Gollum. I think that's the big one. I mean, Caesar. We talked about Caesar. We talked about. Um, I think. Um, I mean, you could do a like, Treebeard if you're doing yeah. Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, King Kong. Yeah, It'd probably a big one. Oh yeah, actually, I probably would have done Yoda over RTD two now. Do I think of it? Yeah, I mean, B- Blue the Velociraptor from the Jurassic World <laughs> series, uh, <laughs> a great all-time character, near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. Um, I mean, E T. Okay, so E T. was the big one that came to mind, but I don't. I again, I haven't seen E T. since you don't childhood. have that like connection to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I think he's good. Like people love him, but you know. Yeah, I'd probably put Oakeshaw up there. You know, it's a movie that's obviously oh, yeah. very important to me. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Yoda obviously is the biggest. Jabba. Yeah, Jabba's... Fu- I mean, Jabba's fucking great. Jabba's also, like, a pretty big, like, engineering feat in puppetry, because there's, yeah. like, six guys crammed in there. <laughs> and Jabba is, like... I don't know. I feel like he's not in the original trilogy that much. Obviously, he's a huge part of Return of the Jedi and, and, and all that stuff. But, like, he's just, like, iconic. He's a giant, weird, gross slug. And yeah. his Job of the Hutt, and you just get it. Yeah. You get his fucking deal. Yeah, and his little pet thing, Salacious B. Crumb. Right. Yeah, he's to, pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of... Star, you could throw the Rancor. I mean, wait, can we do all... Can we the Sarlacc. Do all the Muppets get to go in there? Every Muppet? Every Muppet. Oh, you could fill the whole thing with Muppets. It's just Muppets. It, yeah, there's Muppet... Just... They're movies. They're Muppet movies. Okay, real quick. I know you already did one. Top five Muppets. Top five Take Muppet. as much time as you need, and then we're going to get all it. All right, here. Gonzo the Great. Okay. Rizzo. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Pepe <Penny laughs> the Prawn. Okay. Um, I guess Fozzie. Okay and uh, uh, let's see. I, I want to say just like fucking. Just say Kermit. Uh, you know you want to say Kermit. I want to say Rentro just to make you mad. I know. like, not like a Jan- Mupp- I not. want to say like Janice to make you mad. I'm like not a Muppets guy. Okay, Kermit. Not everyone loves Kermit. Kermit. I, I, Kermit Kermit's great. Kermit's great. Kermit J. Frog. Yeah. Frog Kermit. Um, <laughs> yes, he's great. We okay. love Kermit. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll kick this I will. The... I will stand by Gonzo Rizzo and Pepe. <laughs> That's why. I know Fozzie. <laughs> yeah. The... Okay, so this is also like my big Muppets movie was Muppets from Space, which is like the least well remembered Muppets movie because it just like it I think my like my dad like worked on it, he mixed it, so we had it was like the first script I ever read because mm-hmm. we had the script in the house. So yeah. the first script I ever read was Muppets from Space. <laughs> and I was like obsessed with the movie and it was I don't know when it came out it was like my Muppet movie. because yeah. It came out around that time. I thought it, I never I I'm not a, just didn't grow up with the Muppets. So like I watched, uh, I watched Muppets Most Wanted on a plane. Yeah, uh, it's fine. And then I watched the first half of The Muppets Movie, Mm -hmm. The Muppets Movie, whatever it's called, with a friend of mine when I was visiting him in New York. But like we were just like, we got super drunk. And then it was a friend of ours FaceTimed. I just never saw the second half of it. But first half, very good. Yeah, And Kermit's great. And I'll let the listeners decide if your list of your top five Muppets is insane or not. (laughs) But let let the record show I got Kermit on that list. (laughs) I really wanted to say Rentro just to make you mad. That would be like the gonk. Rentro is like the gonk of Muppets. Uh, right. He's the bear character that only appears in Muppets from Space. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's like a bear wearing a suit. Uh, let's do some wrecks and get out of here. Cool yeah. have one. Uh, I'm going to wreck the bear. It's a new show. It's out on, God damn it. It's on, it's on FX, but it's on, FX Yeah, on Hulu. it's an FX show. Yeah, FX on Hulu. It's got that kid from Shameless. Don't remember his name. Same. It's, um, honestly, the, the specific thing, it's about a guy who is trying to revive his brother's restaurant after his brother's death and it's uh really good but the thing that i specifically really like about it is how often characters just have conversations where they explicitly state their feelings and like their wants to each other in a productive way that is how humans actually like achieve things in real life Mm -hmm. so like it's a thing that drives me nuts in movies when characters will kind of just clam up and not say something that's important to them in order to like keep the drama going for a season right yeah And the bear is a show where specifically like the two main characters, they will often just have those kind of like sit down, sit down, like stay at the union conversations where Mm -hmm. you'd be like, I feel like when you did this, when you did this thing, it made me feel this way. And that makes me feel bad. And they'll be like, okay, I accept that. And I'll help change that, which is like how you have a good relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you don't really see enough in TV. Yeah. And it's like, yes, conflict can come. Conflict comes from the outside. It doesn't have to come from the characters just being like wantonly, shitty to each other yeah. or unnecessarily not stating their feelings. And it's nice to see a show that has, seems to have such a focus on that. Great. Yeah. it's good. One. Um, I you know, I didn't, didn't know if I haven't read this time. So I'll just say the show I watched right before coming over here. Loot. Oh, how's loot? It's great. It's on app. It's airing now. It's I think on it's like eighth or ninth episode of uh, the, probably a 10 episode season, uh, it's a comedy on Apple. It is starring Maya Rudolph. As we talked about it last week, it's a woman who is, Married to this, like, ultra-billionaire and gets divorced, so she just has, like, $80 billion and nothing really to do. But she finds out she has this charitable organization that she technically owns, and she decides to start working there. And so it's kind of like workplace comedy, but it's also, like, this fun, like, well-satire thing. Uh, Maya Rudolph is hilarious. As she always is. I mean, I honestly—if you just had to, like—you know, your life depended on giving a a not-funny line to one person to make it funny— I think Maya Rudolph makes that short list. <laughs> <laughs> top five, <laughs> top five. Like she, she's just naturally so funny. Yeah, uh, great in this. Adam Scott shows up briefly. Um, uh, Ron Funches is great. Oh, Ron Funches is great. He's, He's hilarious. So also, uh, he was like the, like all, like always the MVP of At Midnight, oh, which yeah. is a show that I miss, even though. We don't necessarily miss Chris Hardwick for a lot of reasons, but At Midnight was great. I yeah. missed that show. Uh, and uh, Joel Kim Booster is um, also great. My my Rudolph's like assistant. Yeah, and he's great. He is so fucking funny on the mm-hmm. show. He had one line reading, uh, which it, it, two run Funches where he just says, "Oh no, your butt." And it's like <laughs> in context, it's really funny. But like, I literally had to pause the TV because I was like falling off the couch, laughing so fucking hard at that line delivery. That's really good. So uh, Loot uh, created by Alan Yang. Uh, probably in someone else, but uh, highly, highly recommend. I'm looking up The Bear and Who Wrote It because I want to give them credit because I forgot to look that up. It is created by Christopher Storer and it stars Jeremy Allen White, Eben Moss Backrack, and A.O. Of your uh, Created by Alan Yang and Matt Hubbard. I mentioned Alan Yang because I actually know who he is. But yeah, Matt Hubbard great. also created the show. Yeah, Credit where it's due. Please hire me, both you men. <laughs> uh, Cooper, what should they do? Great review subscribe follow us on instagram follow us on tiktok hblb podcast for both and goodbye oh oh not goodbye what's up oh we also we have a voicemail now so oh, if yes. you want to okay now i have to get the <laughs> number the for number. the voicemail <laughs> so we're starting a new thing for our listener mailbags that um it, it's like a new t- it's a test so if you want to Ask us a question. You can leave us a voicemail at this number anytime, and we will bring it up on our next opportunity on a no-brow most likely. And it is 310-853-2858. Please give us a ring. Leave a message. Let us know what you think. Ask us a question. Say whatever you want. We'll play it. You heard it here first, folks. Call us up. Yep. We'll do a Milestone Mailbag eventually. All right. Goodbye. Bye forever. Bye.